to be back again once again in our homes but hey that doesn't stop us worshipping God or gathering round and looking at God's word together. So today we are continuing our series on embracing holiness. Leviticus 19 God says be holy as I am holy. And so we're wanting to embrace holiness. We're wanting to look what does it mean to be holy. And um, so we've had a a, a few weeks in this already, and today we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 6, which is about the call and commission of the prophet Isaiah. And we're going to actually spend two weeks in this uh, verse. Um, I'm going to do the first bit, and then Phil Strong is going to follow on from me. So Isaiah chapter 6, it's about revelation, it's about purification, and it's about calling. Um, And I'm going to leave the revelation, I'm going to leave the purification to fill. Going to talk a little bit about calling today. But let's start with Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. Wow, great, great, powerful verse. It's the start of his calling and his commission. But hey, is, this is the call and commission of Isaiah. Is there, there's something really, really odd about it. Really odd. What's that you say? Well, I want to compare it with the call and commission of Jeremiah. So let's just flick over a book to Jeremiah chapter 1. It says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Can you see the difference? You see, Jeremiah, his call is in chapter 1. In fact, it's even before he's born. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Yet with Isaiah, his call and commission is in chapter 6. That's really, really odd. Surely his call and commission should be chapter 1 as well. Well, why is it chapter 6? Well, let's, let's look into it a little bit. Um, maybe chapter 1 to 5 aren't very good. Maybe 1 to 5, he's more of a minor prophet. And you get to chapter 6 and he becomes a major prophet. Well, well, actually, you just need to read chapters 1 to 5 to figure out, well, that's not the case at all. Um, let's read the first, first verse of chapter 1, eh? The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, In the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Then we read on. And you see, chapter 1 is about honouring God and looking after the destitute. Well, that is pretty good stuff, don't you think? Yes, that's not a second-class prophecy. Chapter 2 is about the second coming of Christ. And he hadn't even come the first time. So, also... Great, great prophetic work. So if you look at the quality of Isaiah's work in chapter 1 to 5, no, that's not it. It's good, good prophecy. 
but still wired as call and commission in chapter 6. And he, here he was, he was prophesying in 1 to 5 before his call and commission. And you know what, guys? That's good news for me. It's good news for you because it actually doesn't matter whereabouts in God you are. If you're like Jeremiah in chapter 1 before you're born, if you're in chapter 6 like Isaiah, or if you're at the end of your days, if you're, say, chapter 66, there's 66 chapters in Isaiah, say you're in the last chapter, I want you to know that God has new revelation. He has new calling, has new commissioning for you. It doesn't matter what chapter you're in, God wants to bring new revelation. He wants to bring new holiness into your life. Anyway, let's get back to Isaiah chapter 6. And I believe the reason it's chapter 6 that we get this call and commission is because of the first little bit. A, a little bit, I mean, you probably heard the sermon preached before and it's they always skip over this little bit, which says, in the year that King Uzziah died. You see, King Uzziah was the king when Isaiah began his ministry as a prophet. Therefore, King Uzziah had influence over Isaiah in the beginning years of his ministry. So there was something about being under the influence of King Uzziah which pre prevented this revelation happening until he died. So to find out what that is, we have to look at this King Uzziah. And chapter 26 of 2 Chronicles is all about the life of King Uzziah. I'm going to pick it up at verse 3. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. That's a long time. It's one of the longest reigns. Not the longest reigns, but one of the longest reigns of any king. His mother's name was Geolam. I've probably said that wrong. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. Hey, let's quickly look at Amaziah. Let's just flick back one chapter to chapter 25, verse 2. 2 Chronicles 25, verse Amaziah, he did what's right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. Just want to speak very briefly about legacy here. You know that our children watch everything we do? That the people coming after us, they build on what we've done. So we don't want them to say, oh, they followed the law, but not wholeheartedly. We want to build a platform where they can say, Lord, we're following what our forefathers did because they were sold out for God. Once more, also about legacy, you know, doesn't matter what our forefathers did or what our parents did. You know, we're not actually bound by the legacy that's left for us. We can be sold up for God even if they don't. So that's a little bit about Uzziah's father. But in actual fact, if you read about King Uzziah, he actually did much better than his father did for the most part. But there's one thing he did which really ruined it for him. And we're going to get on to that. Um, so going back to verse uh, chapter tw 26 of 2 Chronicles, it says this. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understandings and the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. 
Zechariah is actually a really common name in the Bible, and it's, it's mentioned, there's several Zacharias, and this is the only time that this particular Zechariah is mentioned, and we don't know much about him. What we do know about him is really interesting. It says this, he had understandings in the visions of God. He is the only person in the Bible who they make that reference to, understands it. So obviously somebody who understood the ways of God. He brought accountability into King Uzziah's life. And accountability is something that we all need. We need people that will be around us who will be able to keep us on track. Uh, personally, I often ring up my brother, who's a, a pastor up in Hamilton, and we talk about the things of God. We just try and have that accountability relationship with each other. Um, but you know, it doesn't need to be one person. It could be a group. In fact, one of King Uzziah's problem is he relied too much on one person. And so when Zechariah died, he had nobody who was then able to speak the words of God, to speak the vision of God into his life. So accountability is key. Um, and so if you read 2 Chronicles 26 um, down to verse 14, 15, it talks all about the good stuff that King Uzziah did and how God helped him. Um, let's pick it up at the end of verse 15. Eh? So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelous, marvelously helped until he became strong, marvelously helped. God, God helped him to get where he is. And you know, God wants to help us too. God has a plan and a, a calling for us and he wants to help us. So, um, you know, it's all about following him. It's all about holiness and helping, um, being closer to God. And God wants to help us succeed in that what he's called us to do. Uh, but then things go a little bit awry for King Uzziah. Let's go to verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had the censure in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him. And there on his forehead, he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. So Isaiah was proud. And I believe that is why with the prophet Isaiah, his call and commission come after King Uzziah died. So King Uzziah had a position of influence over 
Isaiah, and here King Uzziah represents pride. So in the story of Isaiah, King Uzziah represents pride. And pride is something that we call sin. And sin holds us back from new revelation, holds us back from that new level of holiness. And, and sin can be in a multitude of forms, can be greed, can be immorality. Um, there's lists of different sins in the Bible. I'm not going to go into the today. In fact, today we're just going to look at pride. But as far as um, the reason that... Isaiah's call is in chapter 6 is that he needed that pride to die in his life. He needed King Uzziah, which represents pride, to die before God had that new revelation for him, he, before God had that new calling, that new commission. And um, so anyway, today we're going to look at pride and humility. Um, when Pastor Phil said that we were doing a series on holiness, I prayed, God, what should I speak about? And I felt quite clearly that, that God said to speak about humility. And so um, on the whiteboard Phil sent me, he said Isaiah chapter 6. And I was like, oh yes, that talks about pride. So I can work off that. And, and I said, yeah, I want to do that. Talk about pride and humility. And Phil said, well, actually, I want to talk about Isaiah chapter 6. But he wants to talk about something completely different. So it's cool. We're going to do it over two weeks. It's great how God works like that. Let's go back to King Uzziah. Because I believe that this passage shows us exactly what pride is. And by looking at what pride is, we can learn what pride is and we can learn what humility is about it too. So what is pride? Well, this passage here shows us exactly what pride is. King Uzziah demonstrates it really well. What it is, it's positioning yourself or trying to position yourself in a place where you're not supposed to be. You see, King Uzziah was positioning himself where the priests were supposed to be, in that temple, you know, to burn incense to God. He never had any right to be there. He was never called to be there. What's more, when you set yourself up in the position of pride, where you try and set yourself up in a place where you're not supposed to be, it's actually blatantly obvious to everyone else. If we look at verse 17, so Azariah the priest went in after him and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. So and these to them it was obvious, hey you're not supposed to be there. They told him he had to get out because that was not what he's called to be. But because of the pride in King Uzziah's heart, he became angry with them. And because of that, the Lord struck him down because he was in a place where he shouldn't be. And you see, imagine this, imagine if that high priest had set himself up in the palace. He thought, oh this king's no good, I'll, I'll go and rule in the palace. Well that would also be pride, you see. Because the, the high priest is called to the temple and the king is called to the, the palace. And we think, tend to think of pride as sort of positioning yourself upwards and, and often it is, but not always. You see, it can also be at any time you position yourself in a place that you're not called to be, um, that is pride and it's not going to work out. You're positioning yourself in a place where you're not called. For an example, in Zion Church, we have Pastor Phil 
pastor of the church. He does a brilliant job. I work with him on the eldership team and um, highest respect for the way he pastors this church and his heart for um, the people and his heart for Zion. Um, and then in the office, we've got Carla. We've got Carla and Rebecca, but I'm just going to say Carla today. And she does a really great job since we, we've put her in that role. She's really taking it on. And you see, if Carla decided, well, actually, I want to be the senior pastor and, and started to try and do Phil's job, well, that would be pride. It, it wouldn't work out. It would be obvious to everyone else that she's in out of her depths. Uh, but conversely, if Pastor Phil tried to do the admin that Carla does, well, he would. that's not what he's called to do, guys. And he would be out of his depths and it would be obvious to all of us as well that the admin's not getting done properly. But hey, Pastor Phil's doing what he's doing. Carla's doing what he's doing. And it's all, it's all good. Uh, but just an illustration that pride's not always upwards. It can be downwards. And it does happen that way as well. So how do we combat pride? Well, what's the opposite to pride? It's humility. And the Bible has a lot to say about humility. And I want to start with the words of Jesus. So let's look at Luke 18 verse 9. And this is a parable that Jesus told. He also spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I, that I possess. And the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his health justified rather than the other, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You see, the Pharisee, he had the look at me attitude. Look at me. Look at how holy I am. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm doing awesome. I know the scriptures. I give my tithes away. You know, there was a sense of pride for him. He was built up in pride. Whereas the tax collector was like, oh, man, I know I've done wrong. Oh, you know. And so he was humble. He was contrite. And God had mercy on him. And, you know, this is our typical view of what humility is like, lowering ourselves down. And now this is an aspect of humility, uh, but it's actually not the full picture. And I'm hoping today to explain a little bit about the full picture of what biblical humility looks like. Because, you know, if you think it's all about just praying the right prayers and taking the, the, the lowest seat at the table, well, you can actually get something called false humility. And we're not going to go there, but in Colossians chapter 2, it, it talks about false humility. And, and people, they always pray these contrite prayers and they always take the lowest seat, but they, they actually do it from a place of pride. It's not true for humility. It's, it's something called false humility. 
So we need to look further in the Bible to understand more about this humility and, and what it means. So I want to look at um, Philippians chapter 2, looking at verses um, 3 and 4, which says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And then 2 Philippians goes on, if you read it further, which I recommend doing, to talk about how that relates to Jesus and how Jesus was looking out for others and that made him humble. So, humble. So, so Jesus was looking out for others and that was humility. So humility is also about looking out for the interests of others where pride is looking out for your own interest to elevate yourself. Um, pastor Rick Warren, who's a pastor of a big church in America, puts it this way. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Therefore, you're thinking of others. You're wanting to elevate others. That's part of humility. Looking elsewhere in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Be humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You see, humility is not possible without love because humility is about building other people up and you can't build other people up without loving them, without showing the love of Jesus to them. And you see, what else? Well, I want to go now back to King Uzziah. You see, King Uzziah put himself in a position where he wasn't appointed to. For our lives, sometimes that position that you're not appointed to can be never appointed to. Um, as in King Uzziah, he was never going to be um, able to burn incense at the altar. God had never called him to. But you know, it might just be a not yet. It might be that God is calling you to a position, but it's not yet. For an example, you might notice that this year I've been preaching quite a bit. Um, and for a long time I've felt that God has had a calling on my life to communicate God's word to people, to, to teach people in his ways. Um, but it's never actually come to being until this year. And I believe that's a lot to do with God's timing. Um, prior to this, there hasn't really been any opportunity. And I, I honestly believe that if I tried to position myself to preach before this year, it wouldn't have worked out. It would have been done out of pride. But by waiting and allowing for God's timing um, to work, um, yeah, suddenly this opportunity's come out. And like sometimes you, you want to knock on doors. I mean, when I saw that Phil was the only person preaching, I said, hey, Pastor Phil, um, do you want a hand with that? And he said, yeah, yeah. So I did one and then I got invited back and I got invited back. And look, oh, I hope I'm preaching well and I keep on getting invited back. So I assume that it's not too bad. But uh, yeah, it's something I feel God's called me to do. Uh, but I believe it would have been pride had I tried to position myself in this place prior to this year. What I'm trying to get to is that if positioning yourself somewhere you're not supposed to be is pride, then surely positioning yourself where you are supposed to be will help combat pride. It would be part of humility. 
Biblical humility is not just about taking a lower position and praying the right prayers. It's also about action. It's also about positioning yourself where God has called you to do. Biblical humility is doing what God has called you to do. It's about looking out for others. It's about actions. You see, because what God is going to be calling you to do is to build up others. God's calling always involves the advancement and the betterment and the, the calling out of others to, to go closer to him. So um, you can combat pride by doing that what God has called you to do. Speaking of calling, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 6. I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. What's God calling you to do? You know, you see, here God's calling Isaiah. And Isaiah's saying, Here I am. Send me. And you know that God has placed you in a place. He's positioned you in a place where you can reach people that no one else can. You've got a network of friends and colleagues that you come into contact with. And you might be the only link they have with the gospel of Christ. You know, so God's asking, whom shall I send? And I just believe all of us need to say, look, here I am. Send me. I want to ask you this question. Is there a King Uzziah in your life? You know, is there something that's holding undue influence over you that is preventing new revelation? It's preventing new levels of holiness in God. Could it be pride, as we've talked about today? Could it be money? Could it be relationship? Well, I want you to just pray about that and um, ask that God would reveal if there's something that's impeding your revelation that he would show it to you. And I'm going to pray in a minute. Uh, also, just want you to consider, is there a Zechariah? Is there a Zechariah in your life? Is there someone who's going to keep you on track? Because if there's not, you really need to look at putting things in place to keep you on track with God. And finally, it's about calling. Because we can combat pride by doing what God has called us to do. And the Lord is asking us, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Are you prepared to say today, here I am, send me? I am. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's listening, Lord. I thank you that you have a calling and a commissioning on all of our lives, Lord. Lord, I pray if there's anything over our lives that needs to die in order that we can get to that new revelation in you, that we can get to that new levels of holiness, Lord, that you would re reveal it to us. Uh, Lord, that you would send people to help us keep on track with you, Lord. And most of all, Lord, I just pray that everyone would be prepared to step out and listen to your voice calling them and say, here I am, send me. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, if you've got any questions about today, then just type them in the comments or send us a, a personal um, message. Um, if you don't know who Jesus is and you want to have a relationship with him, then um, please, please contact us. It's the um, best thing you could ever do. Okay, God bless, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.